right, everybody. Welcome to this week's Lording the Tropes. I'm Aaron. And I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I am the Virgin. And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Hey, how's it going? Good. So we are like doing the Bridgertons now. We are number six in. I know. Can you believe it? I know. It's I am really enjoying sort of watching, uh, reading back all of this stuff because um, there was a Bridgerton fan event on Sunday that I attended virtually, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so exciting. I'm like in the middle of like a major move. So I was just like, uh, Pat, I'm just going to put some boxes together in my bedroom. Don't worry about me. <laughs> and watched it. Um and it was really fun. And they had all the actors on and Julia Quinn was on and she's always delightful. And the showrunner, uh, Chris Van Dusen. So it was like I was getting like jazzed up all over again for the for the episodes to come out for the show to drop. And then also having just finished Francesca's book. Yeah. But before we get into when he was wicked, we have another podcast review. You guys have been great. We've got a ton of reviews. I don't know if we're going to be able to read them all, but um, we do like picking one out every every few weeks just to just sort of highlight. So, Clay, do you want to read it or I can read it? Sure, I can read it. So this one okay. is from Mary and it says, intelligent and delightful. The hosts are funny without being snarky and break down the structure of different tropes to satisfy my inner literary nerd without shying away from discussing all the st- steamy and character driven scenes that make readers love romance. Great review. Five star. Yeah. We're giving That's your a- review a five star review. <laughs> uh, agreed. I think Mary might have actually just also joined the troop on Facebook as well. So, Oh, great. Welcome. Yeah. yeah I think she I- just found us. But yeah, this, that's really sweet. I I think the the thing that I like about this review is funny without being snarky because I think that's mm-hmm. our aim. Mm-hmm. We definitely right. don't want to be snarky. We understand how hard it is to write a book. It's very difficult. And anybody who does creative endeavors, you know, it, it, it's it's very tough. And sometimes people don't succeed on the first time. And sometimes, you know, they get better and things like that. So we never want to just trash writers, trash books. Because what's the fun in that? I don't find that to be fun. And it also just seems like so easy Like, it just seems so easy to be like, here's everything that was wrong. Or like, isn't that silly that this person was trying to do something heartfelt? Yes. But yeah, thank you for the review. It was so nice. We love it. The reviews really help uh, the show find an audience. So if you, you know, we have people asking, how can we support the show? The number one way right now to support our show is go to Apple Podcasts and rate. Give us five stars. Yeah. So thank you. You guys have been great. Yeah, and now we're in the top 200 for Apple Books um, in America. I found, like, how to finally see what our, like, how, what our rankings are in the charts. <laughs> and so we're actually doing, like, quite well, and that's because of you guys, and that's because of you guys taking the time to sort of, like, download and review and everything. So we really appreciate it. But we won't be happy till we're number one. No, exactly. We gone for number one. We're 159. That's not going to cut it. We need to <laughs> keep going. Yeah. Well, you got to say we're in the top 160. Don't say we're we, in the top 200. If we're, if we're one, what, 159? Yeah, if we're 159, we're in the top 160. Nice. That's exactly. how you play that. Don't say 200. That We're not 162. We're not 163. We're not with them. 
we're not 175. We would die. We would we would jump off a cliff if we were 175. No. <laughs> we're in the top 160, and we're just keep going higher. Exactly. We're just climbing those charts, charts like that best scene of that thing you do. All right. So let's get back to the books, and let's judge this cover. Um, so the same as to Sir Philip with Love, they there's the sort of all red cover with the giant Julia Quinn when he was wicked. And that was sort of the one that had been re-released a few times, but without changing it. Okay. Oh, so I, the, the completely... I inverted the numbers. So sorry. That's Clay. what I thought. Yeah. So that was the 2004. It's like all like red washed, um, sort of in the style of all of the other books. Um it, with Julia Quinn massive because she's the draw, and then when he was wicked, you and know I'll, it's fine. Yeah, I'll say it's hard with judging the cover with these books because none of the covers are have really much to 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 talk about. Right. Y- you know, it's just various items in different colors. <laughs> Julia Quinn right. very big because she's the selling point. I think at this point she's the selling point. As Sarah, we had Sarah McLean here uh, last week doing an episode, and she was talking about covers, and she was just talking about the the bigger the the name of the author on the cover, the bigger the author is usually, right? And we're at the point where it doesn't really matter what's on this cover; it matters whose name is on it and it's julia's and of course people are just going to pick this up because it says julia quinn right and it's not telling a story because it's just like all red washed a stream and there's a man and a horse it doesn't tell you anything about the book and then in the 2017 cover is all gold basically all yellow a bed like a beautiful four-poster bed, and then there's a piece of tartan tied around one of the poles, I think, to show that the hero is Scottish. Scottish, Um, yeah. Of the uh, Bridgerton covers, like, this is one of my favorite for some reason. I really – it's the one I remember the most. Um, Really? Yeah, I don't know why, but I really like it, and I think it is also, like, it shows sort of, like, a sexy and an intimacy – of the story without having people in like a cinch necessarily. Um, no, so I li- I mean, I like both covers. I think the Bridgertons, even when it's all just the one color washing, they all look pretty together. Um, and it's a really interesting way to tie an entire series together without having it be super specific, you know? Yeah. I do. I do miss bods. I do miss seeing bods. I will, you know? Right. Well, it looks like the twenty, uh, the two thousand and four book had a step back. Oh, so. see, we're missing. See, that's the thing. We're, we talked about this last week too. That we just like don't get those step backs in Kindle. I know. Which I like. Can we write a letter to Avon and just say like, give me the step back? Give yeah, me the step we back. we could write a physical letter to them to tell them to put step backs in their ebooks. You think? I think there'd be it... nice iron- a nice irony to that. <laughs> and they'll be like, oh, there's no one here to receive that letter. Everyone's working from home. So <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what did you directly, think you were going to push? The mail slot is now attached directly to a trash chute. 
<laughs> like, don't send us anything. Yeah. Um, Email I us, love those please. step backs. Well, on Instagram, there's Step Back Saturday where people just post step backs without the cover and you're just supposed to guess. Oh, that's fun. It's so much fun. But also it's like, oh, some of those are amazing. Lisa Claypass's step backs are – and I know like she and Julia Quinn are good friends. So I feel like uh, it's cool to bring up – I mean, whatever. We bring up Claypass any second we get. So her step backs are so amazing. But then the, people have been posting a few Bridgerton step backs – also fantastic that's great i love them all the dudes have mullets like (sighs) this like weirdly long hair and none of them are like particularly big too which i love it was just like they're like listen they're the 90s and we love a short king and i'm into it yeah um all right anyway clayton what was this book about so this book was francesca's book as you had mentioned previously and Francesca was married – well, getting – yeah, she was married to – no. Yes. Got it. <laughs> Sorry. She was married to John Sterling, and mm-hmm. who was the Earl of Kil- Kilmartin. And his cousin, Michael, was – they were pretty much brothers because Michael lived with John's family and – Michael, John, and Francesca were very close, and Michael was in love with Francesca. So they're on a walk one night, Michael and Francesca, and John dies in his sleep. And so she is just heartbroken. He is heartbroken. And then we find out that she is pregnant. And then she miscarries. So there's a lot of tragedy at the very beginning of this book. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she miscarries means that Michael is now the Earl. And he can't handle it. He can't handle, because he's in love with Francesca, he can't handle being around her. He can't handle the Earldom. So he leaves to go to India for four years and leaves her in charge. Francesca is basically in charge of the Earldom. And four years go by, he comes back, she's looking for a husband in London, they run into each other, he's still madly in love with her, he's sick from malaria, she helps him hide it and like nurses him, and then it's at the end he they end up together, there's a lot going on, but they end up together. (laughs) But it's a long time before she recognizes her feelings for Michael when he has had these feelings the whole time. Mm-hmm. So what did you think of the book? I I mean, I liked it a lot. I liked Michael. I understood the the whole having feelings for somebody that is already taken because I think everybody has had that experience before. And I think this book does a good job of showing that. Now, I've never been like in love with a, a, a person who has been married, but I've definitely had feelings for somebody who's been dating somebody. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult to deal with that because you want to hang out as friends, but then there's always this thing. And there's always the question of, well, do they feel that way? And what, like, am I, am also, am I muddying this friendship by having these feelings? I mean, that usually happens to in your, you know, 20s and, you know, college and 20s and stuff like that. 
And I've definitely felt that before. And I think Julia Quinn does a really good job of showing that. And she adds this extra weight of they were basically like brothers. She had a miscarriage. She was she was carrying his child that that passed. And if they got together, what would that mean for for John's legacy, like his existence? Because Michael having taken over his earldom, there's like a lot of weight to it, which I think adds adds to this book. I think the thing that's wonderful about the Bridgertons too is like on the surface they do seem like you know, they're obviously like incredibly witty and funny and you know, there's this dynamic of this giant family and everyone's named in alphabetical order and there's like a level of kind of like silliness to it. Um, but then all of these books end up weighted by such heavy issues. Mm-hmm. And I think it shows what a great writer Julia is, is that it it never gets so much um, that you're really like taken down by it or it feels overly melancholy, which I think, you know, we've read some books and certainly some romance novels that are just like too much of the self-flagellation. And I think this book was really good because like at the end of the day, this book is just about Michael deciding if he wants to be with Francesca, the woman he has loved for years or not. And that is the question. And it is amazing that this book is epically readable, even though, you know, at the beginning a lot happens, but it's through the rest of it. It's not a ton of plot. (laughs) It is a lot of just Michael trying to sort through his feelings. And it is so readable and so engaging. And honestly, you know, in doing this reread, I think it is the book that I've loved the most going back. I always knew that I really liked Francesca and Michael, but I think in this second reread, I'm like, oh yeah, no, this book is actually like super duper special. Um, Because it is just of, like, she manages to do so much with sort of that inner turmoil because, you know, Michael loved John. Their their fathers are twins, so they're like incredibly close. And, um, you have that thing of loving somebody and caring for somebody, but also being extraordinarily jealous. And Michael sort of in the back of his mind thinks like, oh, did I inadvertently wish for this to happen? Like, Mm -hmm. I loved John so much, but I loved Francesca. And was there a part of me that wanted him to die so that I could step in? And that's the guilt he feels because, you know, he never told Francesca how he felt. He never like made a move on her or anything like that. He never did anything inappropriate but you understand how then you're given that thing that you were so scared to actually put a name to and how that would sort of tear you up inside because of what the cost was um and you know obviously not that michael would have wanted that but uh it makes a lot of sense why that really tears him up and why he feels like he has to like straight up flee the continent and go to india in order to get away from those feelings yeah and uh and then he comes back looking different he comes back looking he used to be loose because he's a rake he's he he's Mm -hmm. a known rake and then you know once he comes back he his rakish qualities come back but that's just because he he is having a hard time dealing with the francesca situation so he's trying to you know take his energies put him somewhere else 
but it really isn't helping. And her interest in him getting married and him changing his ways is also a, a rubbing point, too. But I think she says that he comes back looking... God, I, I wish I would have wrote, 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 wrote it down, but he's very tan. But it's like mm-hmm. wickedly tan or something like scandalously tan, <laughs> which I thought was a really funny thing to say. And that's when she first kind of maybe th- like you see her like thinking about it. And then they have a moment later. Well, she looks at him and she looks at his lips and she all of a sudden is like, he's a man. Like mm-hmm. this is a man and i love that moment because i could totally see it i could see them looking at each other and her looking at him in a different way in like a split second and that like that just moment when you see it where you're like wait is this person thinking oh this is like a change in their opinion Mm -hmm. it's so it was so well done but those are the kind of things that, that you have in this book is like these moments that i really loved them coming together is this is also like the sexiest Bridgerton, I think for sure. By far, I would yeah. think, right? Because he knows they, his way around a woman's mm-hmm. vagina. <laughs> well, I think they also it's like there's so much built up sexual tension in a way that I don't think there is in any other book. I mean, Penelope loved Colin forever, but I, she was like the less experienced one sexually in that mm-hmm. relationship. And I think for this, it's like like they're both very like physical people and yeah when they get together it's amazing and there is so much like electricity and energy there and it is like yeah by by far the sexiest Bridgerton I mean that we've read so far because I guess I don't really remember Hyacinth's book so who knows she might be getting it on too yeah but it's yeah it's it's so tactile and it's so you understand Francesca too because she basically you know thought of Michael as one of her best friends and it makes sense also that he had to leave for four years like I think that was really smart I think had this book happened just like in the weeks following John's death it would have been like kind of too soon and a little bit strange but it's like I think Michael needing to leave so that then he could come back and Francesca could see him as a different person was really important too because yeah, I always find Francesca such an interesting, enigmatic, enigmatic character um, because she is such a loner compared to her family. And I think every family has that one kid. Any large family has that one kid that just like doesn't quite fit in, you know, and Francesca seems to always just want to get away from her family, like physically. And I think she loves them and and cares for them, but she just doesn't she's just like a kind of a different person and she just has like a different vibe than them. And so she finds it really stifling to be around all of them at the same time. So, yeah, you know, she doesn't show up much in the other books. And if she does, she doesn't do much in the way that I feel like Eloise is always in everyone else's books, like getting up to shit. Yeah. 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 She's always in it. Yeah. Well, the thing too, is that I agree that gap is so important because John was a good husband. He yeah. was a good guy. It wasn't like he was a bad person or cheating on her or doing anything. I mean, he was, they were, she loved him. And she carried his child and lost his child. And I think you need space after that. 
Michael does look like a bad person if he jumps right on that <laughs> and <laughs> and tries to, you know, use her grief and use her her you know, her just her her feelings of vulnerability in order to seduce her because he's a rake but he's not he's not a cat or an asshole, you know? Yeah. And I think that is really important. And for years, I mean, you know, she's getting She's finally able to wear a dress that isn't a morning color, which is great. Uh, and and that's one of those things where, yeah, I, I think that space is is definitely needed. And she is different too when he gets back because she's been in charge. Mm-hmm. Right, she's really come into her own too. Um, and because and she, also- she's what is she? She's she, at, when after that break, she's like twenty because. When John died, she was early 20s, right? 22 or something? Yeah. So she's like 26. And then he's in, and then Michael's in his early 30s or 30, right? Mm-hmm. He's a little bit older. Although so not to, yeah, jump into the Goodreads list, but a lot, it was on a lot of lists as older heroin books. And I was like, she's not older than him. I had to keep checking. So. Do they mean just older in general? Because that's not true either. We've had heroines that are, you know... Eight of 20. <laughs> That's how you say it, right? Yeah. They couldn't say 28. Do people in Eng- but like British people now say like 28. They don't say eight and 20, do they? They, I, I, they, I think they say 28. Yeah. It seems silly. I, I don't know. I guess if you're British, let us know. No, it was specifically like older heroine, younger hero, like age gap romance. And I was like, mm, I don't think so. Wait, he's, not younger than her, is he? He's older than John, and John is older than her. So no, he's older. She's younger. It's so, bu- I, yeah, I don't understand the why it was on so many lists like that because it's not true. Take I, it off I, the list. It's early yeah. for that. But and let's. I, I don't want to, you know, jump to Goodreads list, but the Goodreads list for the Bridgertons have been so ramshackle and <laughs> it's been a mess. Bad, and I think it's just because. These books have been read by so many people that I don't think it's a hardcore romance group. And mm-hmm. so I feel like they might not be – oh, my God. I, I don't want to be mean. They're maybe not as adept with lists is all I'm going to say. <laughs> right, right. Because I don't want to offend anybody. But I feel like most of the time if you're a romance reader and you do a list, most of the time it's – at least close to the target. Yeah, these have been way off. Yeah. But anyway, I did. But I, yeah. So I, there's a few other things that I liked about like Francesca's relationship with John. I think, you know, in other books I've read where it's been like a widow um, or something like that, there is this thing of like the, 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 the heroine's first husband never made her come and, now the hero has made her come and that she's like, oh, I realize like relationships can be completely different. And for a little bit, I was worried about um, that happening in this book because I couldn't remember. Uh, but no, it seems like she and John had a very like good sex life and he made her come, which I'm very happy for because, you know, Bridgerton, they're like for all the millions of reasons we love them. The part that is lacking sometimes is uh, sexual education. Yeah. So. 
Francesca didn't have that problem. And I like how she was sort of like having sex with Michael is different than having sex with John because I think they're different people and they have different styles. But she's like, I do really enjoy both. And it is very intense with Michael in a way that I didn't think it ever could be again, which yeah. I really liked for her because, you know, I I wanted her relationship with John to stay good. Um, I do feel like she does think it's better, though, right? Doesn't she think it's better with Michael? I don't think she thinks I no. she says it's like more intense. OK, so that you don't read that as better. Um. I mean, maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe better. But I think it, it I, but I think she doesn't compare it or it, she doesn't sort of act in the way that I think happens sometimes where, where um, Herons will just be like, you know, I didn't realize sex could be like this. But I but yes. I also think like Michael is just like seems to be like a more intense person. Mm hmm. Um, I love all like something that is also interesting in this book is Francesca has fertility issues. Um, she it couldn't sustain a pregnancy, it seems like. So she had issues getting pregnant. And she had issues staying pregnant, which um, sort of continued even after she married Michael. But there is so many mothers in this book because John's mother is around. Um, Michael's mother is around. They seem to be like very good friends. Uh, Francesca's mother Violet is around a lot and I really like sort of these displays of like motherhood and how you would help your child sort of like navigate grief um, which I think would be obviously incredibly difficult and I think it is they add so much like levity to the book too because they're kind of fun and a little silly and I really love that addition as well just sort of like adding these two characters who i think you only see in this book who end up bringing so much more to the to the book as well yeah and all those mothers know grief because they've all had their losses exactly yeah you know which which and again like like you said earlier it's like for all of the death in this book and then also adjacent to this book (laughs) It doesn't feel heavy. It doesn't feel like I, oh gosh, I need to put this down because life is depressing. Yeah, it is this, it it, it remains a very like hopeful book and it remains a very positive book. I mean, yeah, I really love it. I think also it's like Liz, like just having Michael pine for the first like three quarters of the book is just like, I love a pining hero. He does it so well. Um, You know, he beats himself up because he loves Francesca so much. I just love to see it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just the more that a hero suffers, I think the happier I am in in general. Yeah. Um, Also, the... This book is interesting. This book, so it's like this book, Penelope's book, and Eloise's book are basically all happening concurrently. And... I noticed that. Yeah. And it's hard... Or it's it's interesting the way that these books came out because it's sort of this book and Penelope's book seem to be happening at exactly the same time. And then Eloise's book sort of takes off at the end of this book. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny that it wasn't like – I understand why it wasn't like Penelope's book, Francesca's book, then Eloise's book because I think you lost that thread if you had put a book in between the two. But it is interesting to go backwards and be like, like all this stuff hasn't happened yet. But it's also funny because it's a little bit of a sly nod 
when they talk about, say, Penelope and Michael thinks, oh, the one who never talks, the kind of chubby one that never talks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because this person doesn't think that you're an eligible person for marriage, there's somebody out there for you. So I thought that was like kind of a sly wink. Yeah. Well, I like the way that Michael thinks of Penelope is like a, he says like she's like a perfectly lovely girl, but he basically like doesn't have eyes for anyone but Francesca. Yeah. Which I thought was also nice that he doesn't because I think so much of and not to go back to Penelope's book, but I think so much of Penelope is that she is sort of like also a victim of just being around the same people for so long. And you get this reputation as a child or when you're younger and the people who see you day to day can't see you as anything else. Yeah. So I think she had been, um, you know, whatever, unattractive or quiet or whatever. And so that the people around her can only kind of sort of dismiss her in that way, where somebody who doesn't really know her, who just sort of sees her one off, is like, no, she's like a pretty, she's a pretty girl. Not for me, but no. Like, he wasn't like, oh, can you believe I'm supposed to dance with Penelope Featherington? He was like, yeah, I mean, I could. I really just have the hots for Francesca. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's also yeah, very there- hard to compete with the Bridgerton gals. They all seem pretty smoking. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think it's also a nice way to just show, you know, tell you a little bit more about Penelope, but also tell you a little bit more about Michael. Because I think had he said that, we would have been like, oh, what an asshole. And instead, we're like, oh, he's nice. He likes Penelope. Who we all love. Yeah. I mean, an all-star book. I I don't know what else to say about it other than I loved it. It's like the sexiest. So much pining. Francesca is one of my favorite Bridgertons. But I think whenever I read a book, I'm like, oh, no, this is my favorite Bridgerton. <laughs> so I'm yeah. not very loyal <laughs> to whoever I read last. As much as I respected the last book that we read, book book five, I will say that this, I think, is a bounce back in quality for me as not quality it's a bounce back in enjoyment for me right although you know talking to sarah last week with the insight that she gave us as a writer and as a as a prominent romance writer you know did make me respect that book and look into that book a little bit differently than i did i was look mm-hmm. i started to look at it as like how you would look at a crafts person doing something as opposed to just like a a fan reading a book and i think that's a that was a great change of 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 mind because now i can look into these books in a similar way and kind of see oh these these are the kind of things that julia quinn is able to do that other people can't and that's why she could make a book like this book which like you said doesn't have much going on past the point of that initial those initial things and make it totally readable and consuming and not heavy. Yes. Well, and I think that's the thing too. And that's the thing about the Bridgertons. Like you feel those first three books as being sort of like, um, you understand why those were sold as a series and then she sort of was building upon it, but she has to keep it interesting for herself. And she is constantly like, okay, well, how can we do this differently? And I think, I, you know, the same way with me, like, I don't think I connected with Sir Philip at the beginning, but then, like, after reading it again, thinking about it critically the way that you do to then have to, like, talk about it on a podcast, you do see things that you enjoy about it. And I think that this is just another iteration. This is, like, another pushing forward of, you know, 
somebody trying to break away from her family, of having it just be like a different kind of story. The beginning of all these chapters start with like letters written to to different people, which I really loved as a framing device. Um, you know, even though I guess she could have brought back Lady Whistledown because Lady Whistledown was pretty much working this entire time, but I guess just didn't know what was happening with the two of them. Yeah. And um, but it this also just feels like a pushing forward. This feels like a different book and it is great that all of these books within this series still feel when you read one it feels pretty fresh because there are other series that I absolutely love I'm not going to name them because I'm about to say something bad about them but like I love them they're fantastic but every book is kind of the same book and there's um Something about that that is great because obviously I love those books. That's why I keep going back to it. But I'm not reading it being like, wow, this person is now really trying something different. It's basically like this person is continuously delivering on this promise. And I go to those books knowing I'm going to get this specific thing. And I think with Bridgerton, the thing that's really interesting is that every book feels very fresh and different. It's a story that is told differently. And... um, with characters who feel different, even though they all do exist in the same universe. Um, So it's really, yeah, really well done. I mean, yeah, I think uh, when he was wicked, you know, whenever I've done a call out on social media to be like, you know, favorite Bridgertons or something like that, when he was wicked and romancing uh, Mr. Bridgerton, I think are the two that come up pretty consistently. Yeah. We got, I mean, on the Instagram post for this, we got a lot of people saying, oh, my favorite. I love it. I love this book. Yes. (laughs) Um, Would you fuck them? Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, that's barely a question. Yes and yes. He's a dirty talker, too, which is great. Oh, that's the thing, too. That isn't because I, I feel like normally with authors, too, it's like, their sex scenes are kind of their sex scenes. They don't really change that much, which is like fine. But all of a sudden these sex scenes were like dialed up to 11 and there was an insane amount of dirty talk, which was like super duper sexy and made a lot of sense for Michael as a character too, that he has just been having these fantasies about this woman for seven years. So like, it's so easy for him to just start saying things. Cause he's like, yeah, I've been thinking about this. I've been yeah. workshopping this for seven years. Like, I, yeah, I got it. It's perfect. Yeah, so that that was that was great. Yeah. So I mean, yes and yes, they both sound amazing. All right. So let's do Goodreads list. Yes. Favorite yeah, favorite historical romance novels. Uh yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I think whenever it's a favorite list too, it's like if it's your favorite, then it's on the list. But I would say this is probably one of my favorites. I think it's um, worthy of being on a list like that. Totally. I've loved you for years. Yes. Best rogue rake romance books. Yeah, he's a he's a rake. Yeah. Somebody on the Facebook group also, and I haven't answered the question yet. She asked me directly because I, like, haven't come up with it yet. But she was like, what's the difference between a rogue, a rake, and, like, a cad? And I'm like, there is a difference, but I can't put my note, my finger on what the difference is. But it's different. Yeah. I mean, we, we don't have time to get into it now, but I think I, I – I, yeah, I – we should think on that and talk about it next week. Yeah, maybe that'll be our little our intro. We'll be talking about the differences. Yeah. Um, best historical romances where the quiet, unusual girl gets the guy. So okay, here's what we're talking about. This has been a, the, every Bridgerton book has <laughs> been on the, this list, 
Mm -hmm. You can't just throw all the Bridgertons on this list because I don't think anybody, maybe Penelope. Other than that, I don't think any of these women have fit this truly. Right. Right, because, and Penelope has, like, a crippling, like, a shyness disorder. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, but it's like Francesca seems to be beautiful. She seems to be well-loved. Her first time going to a ball, like, after getting out of mourning, she gets an insane amount of flowers. Like, I would say she is neither quiet nor unusual. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, Take it off the best, list. Yeah, best humorous historical romances. I mean, there is, you know, the... They have a good back and forth, Michael and her, because they Mm -hmm. just have, like, a friendship. So I would say definitely, like I've said on all these, a Julia Quinn book will always have humor to it. Now, was it laugh out loud? No. But it was definitely humorous. Yeah, and, like, clever and good turns of phrases and stuff. Yeah, for sure. There's a wit to it. Totally. Hero is in love with a heroine before she is with him. Yes, Historical romance, marriage of convenience slash arranged marriage. No. No. (laughs) You're so disgusted. I mean, it's just like you can't throw these books on. This has been every every Bridgerton book is on. Somebody's throwing them on these lists and it's just like, no. Right. And and, and to explain to somebody who's – if this is your first episode, hello. The reason I get so upset about this is because these lists – if you go to these lists, it's for people to read books with tropes that they're into. And if you're mm-hmm. throwing these books that don't have these tropes in these lists, somebody is going to read that book. There's so many romance novels. There's so many romance novels that you you need to be able to whittle it down to some of the things that you like. And then you can expand into different tropes. Like if a, there's a trope in a book that you didn't realize and you're like, oh, I like that. That's what has happened to both of us. But mm-hmm. if I went... As a new reader who didn't have the support system that I have, which I'm lucky to have in the romance community, and I was like, <laughs> I love Marriage of Convenience, and I read this book, I'd be like, what? What? I mean, I like this book, but I love the dirty talk, but what's up? There's no Marriage of Convenience. I'd be upset. Right. Um, character you most want to sleep with. Sure. Yeah, of course. Um. Witty historical romance books. Yeah, witty. Falling in love with best friend, best friend's brother, brother's best friend. I, I would say that I would say yes. Like the vibe is there. None of those specifically, like, match because it is like falling in love with your cousin's wife. Exactly, but, but if you the vibe you were, is there. If you were to loosely say that. They were like brothers, mm-hmm. and she eventually falls in love with her, her, her. Her, they were best friends, and they felt like brothers. So I do think, like you said, the spirit is there. I guess yeah. maybe I'm being a little bit of a, of a hypocrite here because it's not exactly <laughs> right. But there's that's the thing. There's the spirit. The spirit is more important. Well, they can. Cons- I think Francesca considers Michael her best friend too. Yes, they're very close so- friends. Yeah. So even though Michael is has not felt platonic about her ever, <laughs> she yes. has felt that way towards him. One is just called Earl Sizzles. Earl, comma, Sizzles. <laughs> Exclamation point. 
That's great. Yes, of course, because <laughs> he is an earl and he sizzles. Mm-hmm. Very sexy. When friends fall in love. Yes. Books with close siblings. Yes, Bridgertons. I mean, that is a, that's a list you could put every Bridgerton on. But let's yes. try to be a little bit more disconcerting, like a little bit more, uh, you know, specific of what Bridgerton we put on which list. Discerning, yeah. Discerning, yeah. Uh, grief and healing in the romance novel. Yeah. Best widow romance. Yeah, she's a widow. Historical romance, non-virginal heroines. That's, yeah, she is non-virginal. <laughs> and, and what's great about this, too, because we were mentioning this earlier, is a lot of romances, women have sex before they meet their one true, but they've never orgasmed. So mm-hmm. she gets to orgasm with more than one man, which is a rarity in romance. Yeah, I know. Which is, you know, we don't have time to unpack that at the moment. But yeah, that is true. Uh, cry, tearjerker romances. I cried during this book. I didn't cry, but it definitely was. I mean, especially right at the beginning. That's a lot to deal with. I was, yeah. I was, yeah, this... It's a it's a tough road after that. I think I cried during the second epilogue, which you didn't read and we're not going to talk about. But like I cried basically through that whole thing. I don't read second epilogues yet. I'm going to read those at the end. Well, because there is all the all the epilogues were put together as a Bridgerton ever after happily ever after or something. I mean, maybe we could just read that all in one. Like, let's see <laughs> let's see when finally our uh, listeners are like, stop with the Bridgerton content. Somewhere around April. We've had, we've had enough. Please, God, anything else. Um, we haven't heard any of that yet. So, you know. Uh, best books involving forbidden love. Yeah. Historical romance, he chases after her. I mean, again, like he does in a way. But, like, there's a lot of, like, him running away from her more than chasing her. I think at the end, though, he is the one really – he starts really pursuing her. Yeah. I mean, we haven't talked about the best part of the – well, there's so many best parts of the book. But the part where Colin is basically the one who talks to Michael and is like, "Uh, so you're in love with my sister. Like, I don't understand. Don't you realize that? Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, I'm not. Shut up. I hate you. <laughs> and then Colin is like, all right, cool. He's like, I am also in love. I proposed to Penelope this afternoon. She fell on the pavement. Um, but I'm very happy. And, you know, I do love that Colin sort of shows up and you'd see sort of how perceptive he is as well, that he's sort of like, no, you love her. You should go after her. Like, there's no reason why you can't be together where that had been like, it basically took someone saying that to Michael for him to finally be like, yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah. Like, I do love her. John would want her to be happy. John would want me to be happy. John would be happy that we are making each other happy. Like, this is actually a good thing. And I think he spends so long torturing himself. Like, you basically need somebody like Colin to just slap him upside the head. And then when he does, it is, like, the best moment. I mean, Colin is a gift. And anytime he shows up in another book, it's just, like, a joy. We're so happy to have him. Yep. Shows up, eats you out of house and home, gives you some <laughs> advice. There you go. That's Colin. Yeah. Pushes you on your way. What a man. He, he might be my favorite only because he's my first. I don't know. Right. It's hard. You know, he's the first one I read. So 
I know it is funny how you who the first one you connect to and then that's you for life. You're very loyal. You are a Leo. Yep. Hot, steamy, sensual historical romance books. Yeah, this is steamy Whoa. and sensual. Mm-hmm. Historical romance, stepping for brother. Now, is this some sort of lingo? Stepping in for brother? Is that what I it's think they to just be? didn't put the in. Yeah. Okay. Stepping in for brother. <laughs> I thought mm-hmm. it was some sort of new new thing that people were saying. I mean, not that I'm aware of, but I've been wrong before. Yeah, so st- I'm, I'm stepping for my brother, I guess. Yeah. It uh, sounds kind of so- cool. Maybe I'll start saying that. Just say I'm stepping for brother now? Well, like if I'm if I'm stepping in for somebody, I'll just be like, oh, I'm stepping. Like, so if I had to step in for Pat for something, I'd be like, oh, I'm stepping for Pat. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sexual tension that leaves you breathless. A lot of great sexual tension. Yes. And then finally, best dirty talk. Oh, yes. For sure. All right, Clayton, what are your tropes? Well, of course, I've loved you so long. Fresh scent of pining hero. Widow heroine in love with cousin's wife, good moms, mm-hmm. right? Because this is just like we got a, a bevy of good moms. I would say he falls in love at first sight, friends to lovers. Those are my tropes. Erin, uh, what are your tropes? Those are those are a lot of mine too. So I loved you so long, in love with someone's wife, brother lover, which is basically <laughs> like. What I call it when you're in love with, like, the wrong brother. <laughs> yeah. That started with Texas Destiny. Oh, yeah. Uh, sickbed romance. Hiding from weather in a cottage. I mean, this happens in all, like, this is a great trope that I love where it's, like, they're out in the moors or something and the weather turns bad and then they find this little shack and there's no clothes and they have to strip off their wet clothes and sit in front of a fire and it's great. Um, seduction into marriage. So sort of once... Like, Michael finally realizes, like, them being together is kind of the best thing. He basically, like, seduces Francesca twice and is like, okay, like, we've had sex twice. Like, you love me. Or, like, you know, we suit. Like, I love you. Like, let's do this. Mm -hmm. Um, Forced proximity because they end up – they end up staying in the house in London together. And then they end up also staying at the, like, Kilmartin estate in Scotland together, too. Uh, pining hero, clueless heroine. Like she genuinely, I think, does not realize that Michael is in love with her the whole time. Rakes in love, love at first sight, and friends to lovers. But you said brother lover, but we refer to it as stepping for brother. <laughs> now, now it's been renamed stepping for brother. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Clayton, what has you swooning this week? Well, I'm swooning about an album that came out last year, and I listened to it a little bit. When it came out originally, but I've been listening to it a lot lately. It's uh, Bat for Lashes, and it's called Lost Girls. It's just really fun 80s-leaning type music, which seems to be I'm into that now. Like, just like indie bands doing 80s-sounding radio songs. Like, songs that would be on the radio in the 80s. That just seems to be my where I'm living right now. So... There's there's some really great songs on it, but I've been listening to the back end of it a lot, which has like three songs in a row that I'm really, really loving. So that's my swoon. Bat for Lashes, Lost Girls. Check it out. Uh, Aaron, what has you swooning? 
So I swooned a little while ago about pen pals, and I'll continue swooning about that. But something really wild happened this week where one of my pen pals who lives in Dublin, Anna, apparently, I don't know, I don't remember if we had talked in the letters like that I was a romance reader or what, but she read the Bridgertons and then she went searching for a podcast to hear more about the books because of, you know, everything going on. And she found this podcast <laughs> and started listening and then realized that I was her pen pal and like was on Twitter like, I can't believe that I stumbled across this. Um so I want to say hi to her. And also, she also has a podcast because, I mean, it's 2020. Who doesn't? Um, and Clayton, I don't know if you had an intense emotional relationship with Sweet Valley High as a teen the way that so many of us did. But it is a series of books about two impossibly beautiful twins in um, California so Anna has a uh, podcast called Double Love that is all about Sweet Valley High. So if you want, if you are interested in those books, you love those books, it's a really fun podcast. It's done by my pen pal. So it feels like now we're, we are sister podcasts. We have to be. Um, so go ahead and listen to that. Also Pen Pal Palooza. If you haven't got on it, it's still going on. There, basically, Rachel um, Smee said that she's going to keep it going as long as there's interest. So um, it looks like, you know, it, it might be a long winter again. And if you want to get into Pen Pals, if you just Google Pen Palooza, um, you will be able to, to get a Pen Pal of your own. And who knows? Maybe she'll listen to your podcast <laughs> and then so she'll amazing. have one as well. I well, know. So it's so funny. With the podcast, does she have people read? Sweet Valley High books, and then they talk about it? Yes. Okay, well, here, I'm going to make a pitch. Okay. Because I know of Sweet Valley High, obviously, because I had a sister. Well, I still have a sister. (laughs) But I've never read a Sweet Valley High. So if you're interested, if your pen pal is interested in a Sweet Valley High virgin reading a (laughs) Sweet Valley High book and coming on the show, that is something I'd be willing to do. A Sweet Valley virgin. Sweet Valley virgin. So just pitching it doesn't listen. I don't want to make anybody awkward. I don't want to force myself onto a podcast. I've done that in the past <laughs> and I regret it. I forced myself onto your original podcast, Ghosted Stories, three twice. times. Three yeah, times. twice. We don't talk about that. Um, but yeah, so uh, I would say that'd be really fun because I've never read one of those and I would definitely do that. But yeah. who knows? Well, Anna, if she made it this far, if she continued to listen to the podcast, then, um, yeah, I mean, let us know. I think it could be really fun. But, yeah, definitely check hers out as well, Um, you know, if you're into books and YA. And those books were like – it was. I read those books and I was like, oh, wow, this is what cool people are. This is who Mm -hmm. cool people are. Yeah. (laughs) They do things like this. Um, Yeah, Erin, where can they find us? Yeah, so don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Like I said, that's how people find us. Um, it, we really appreciate it. We read them all. It's really great that whenever you guys take the time to do it. And you can always email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we are on Twitter at Learning Tropes. We are on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. We have the Facebook group, the Learning the Tropes Troop. Come join us there. Um, and we also have merch, which is in the show notes below. Next week, you're never going to guess, we are also reading a Bridgerton. <laughs> we are reading in It's in His Kiss uh, by Julia Quinn. Obviously, it's Hyacinth's book, Hyacinth and Gareth. Um, 
and there's a lot of Lady Danbury in that one. It's a lot of fun. So um, if you haven't had a chance to read that one, go pick it up and we will be talking about it next week. Um, and then finally, Learning the Tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you love at frolic.media backslash podcasts. All right, bye guys. Bye. Bye.